Hi, it's Jess, your friendly, body-centered marriage and family therapist and co-host of Insight Mind Body Talk. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for your support. Insight Mind Body Talk has been on the air for an entire year now. When we started, we could only imagine the type of guests, topics, and mind-body information we could pass on to our listeners. And now as we look back, we can be prouder of the content we have produced for you, in large part because of the amazing guests who have so willingly donated their time and talents to better our community and spread awareness about the importance of mental health. I sincerely thank each one of them. As you've heard on previous episodes, we've been growing and changing at Insight Counseling and Wellness, the mothership of Insight Mind Body Talk. We have a new aerial yoga studio, a new branch office in Verona, Wisconsin, and we took a mindful pause to think about the growth and direction of the podcast. With that, we've decided Insight Mind Body Talk's official season will run September through May each year, taking every summer to revisit our most downloaded episodes. Why most downloaded? I may have my favorites, Jeannie does too, but what matters most to us is listening to your voice, and we heard you loud and clear through the number of downloads each episode got. What does revisiting mean? Well, basically, you'll be hearing the original episode again, But this time, prior to every episode, I'll be giving inside information about my thoughts on the content, I'll highlight key moments, and I'll be sharing additional tips not mentioned during the episode. So it will be definitely worth tuning in on the first and third Monday of June, July, and August. I promise. Again, it is my greatest joy to produce and co-host Insight Mind Body Talk. And I thank you for coming back week after week. I look forward to bringing you season two in September. But for now, let's get into our first most downloaded episode, the mind-body connection. I'm so happy this is the first episode we're featuring because it's an introduction of sorts, at least an introduction through Jeannie in my eyes, of body-centered practices in psychotherapy. We set the stage for answering How can you improve your mental health by listening to the wisdom of the body? We discuss trauma, the brain and nervous system, and work hard to destigmatize through education a person's responses to difficult events. The episode's really about the mind and body and how strongly they are connected. It hits home the point that we are not floating heads walking around this world. And we talk about why we need to bring the body into the healing process. Behind the mic, I remember being incredibly nervous because it was not only our first episode, but when you listen, you'll hear the topic is very vast and so important to our work as somatic therapists. I just remember worrying, you know, how are we going to cover it all? But really, we couldn't. We had to decide This is what we've learned, and this is how we've conceptualized the information. And now we have to hold hands with the universe and hope it comes across to you, the listener, in an approachable and meaningful way. 
And personally, I mean, I was petrified. I wouldn't explain things right. I wouldn't get it right. I would let her feel down and I would let you, our listeners, down. So when I listen back to this most downloaded episode, I can hear these parts of me who weren't quite ready to set a script down yet. And maybe, maybe you'll hear it too. Maybe not, but that's okay. I love growing with Insight Mind Body Talk and with you. That being said, thank you again for listening. This episode talks a lot about safety, the felt experience of being safe within ourselves, within relationships, and within our healing process. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Insight Mind Body Talk, a body-based mental health podcast. We're your hosts, Jessica Warbler-Schultz and Jeannie Kolker. Whether you've tried everything to feel better and something is still missing, or you've already discovered the wisdom of the body, this podcast will encourage and support you in healing old wounds, strengthening relationships, and developing your inner potential, all by accessing the mind-body connection. Please know, while we're excited to share and grow together, this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for mental health treatment. It doesn't replace the one-on-one relationship you have with a qualified healthcare professional and is not considered psychotherapy. Thanks, Jess. And thank you for listening. Now let's begin a conversation about what happens when we take an integrative approach to improving our well-being. Welcome to Insight Mind Body Talk. Today's episode is the first part of a conversation between myself and my co-host, Jeannie Kolker. We begin exploring the mind-body connection and how we can improve our mental health by listening to the wisdom of the body. Jeannie, I'm excited to share this adventure with you. Thanks, Jess. It's really wonderful to be here. I appreciate your passion for this. I think that's that's how we found each other. After all these years, we've known each other for quite some time. (laughs) We have, we have, as our listeners might not know this, but Jeannie and I met maybe 10 years ago volunteering at Briar Patch Youth Services here in Madison. And now the universe has brought us body-centered minds back together. Yes. Yeah. I think it was meant to be. I agree. I agree. Well, great. Okay. So today we get to have a conversation about how the mind and body are connected what causes the mind-body to disconnect at times, and why our lives are richer when we take a mind-body perspective to mental health. So let's begin by talking about what does the body have to do with problems? Often when we're thinking about the difficulties we experience in life and the things that we're working through, it may not come to the forefront of our thought process that the body is actually also involved and that there's a innate wisdom there that we can tap into. How would you describe how the body gets involved in those difficulties that we experience in life? Yeah, that's a great question, Jess. I think our medical model typically looks at things just from a, a symptom perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a, a broken arm, you go to the doctor and you get it set you've got symptoms of depression and anxiety, you yeah. go and you talk about it, right? And it's it's very separate, but we know that that's not the case. Our bodies are, are where we experience life and 
we have to go through the body door in order to mm. really work on healing our whole person, our thoughts, our emotions, and our physical self too. It all is connected in that way. And I think that it's emerging, you know, obviously we're here standing on the shoulders of a lot of recent research from all sorts of sources that are proving somatic approaches are evidence-based. They are the way to heal a lot of what we would, you know, call problems, right? It's not necessarily just about talking about what's going on in our lives. That doesn't necessarily help us heal. We actually have to embody it. We have to create safety in our bodies in order to heal whatever traumas we've experienced. And we might not even think, oh, I I don't have trauma, but we all have some, you know, Just, just walking around in the world is traumatic. Sometimes. (laughs) I totally agree. Yes. I I often say that I used to tell people that I was a trauma therapist and then it dawned on me one day that actually every therapist is a trauma therapist because every person we've all, if you're human, you've experienced some form of trauma at some point. And it's not just our mind or our brain that experiences that our body is always with us. It's always a part of the initial event. And it's also a part of the solution. So mm-hmm. I love that. As a marriage and family therapist, we talk a lot about how the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. If you think of a family system, how all of those interactions come together to create a family, you think about the body, the mind, the brain, digestive system, you know, everything, our muscles, bones, how it all comes together to create this holistic system. I really like how you're considering how the body is the key to healing. I believe that too, as a body-based therapist. Jeannie, from your perspective as a licensed professional counselor, a yoga teacher, a yoga therapist, how have you witnessed the healing capacity of the wisdom of the body? Yeah, that's that's a great question that I could talk about for hours. Mm. Um, you know, our ultimate goal in therapy and in our own lives is is empowerment, right? We want to be empowered to make choices that support our growth, our health, to be empowered to own the things that we've done, that we're carrying, that have been done to us, to yeah. be able to really be in, in a space of making choices that support our growth. And somatic treatments and yoga, and we talk about somatic treatments, that's the body, right? That's yep. just fancy word for the body. Yep. Somatic treatments, they help us reconnect to our bodies. And that's where then we can regain a sense of control. Because when we've experienced trauma, it's the ultimate lack of control. It's mm-hmm. the ultimate lack of choice. It's, yeah. a, it's an overwhelming thing that has has stolen our ability to make choices and to take action in an empowered way. So we use yoga. I use yoga, especially. I feel like it's just, it's the treatment that resonates with me. Sure. It is, it is the medicine that I have found the most useful in my own experience. I have a lot of history with yoga because it is something that's been very resonant for me in my Mm. healing journey. When I was a child, I was sick a lot. I had a lot of physical issues and it turned out I had an autoimmune disease that was very rare in little kids and it was misdiagnosed. And I just, I spent a lot of my childhood sick and in a body that I couldn't trust. I couldn't do what everybody else was doing. And 
there was no way for me to even do any like physical exercise. My body just wouldn't support it. So I developed this really unhealthy relationship with exercise. It felt like punishment. It felt like danger yeah. uh, because my, my body wasn't equipped to do it. And I healed, you know, eventually as I grew and I didn't really start to heal until I, I stepped on a yoga mat and started mm. to, to actually pay attention to the cues and the signals in my body. It was not something that I had ever learned before through no fault of anyone's it just it wasn't a relationship that was able to develop mm. I found a lot of healing for myself through yoga and I wanted to share that with people and of course you start teaching yoga that's what you do right you're yeah you know you do personal training mm -hmm. I became a fitness instructor I saw how it was helping people and I don't mean that I'm not helping them develop a six-pack abs right it's, oh right yep <laughs> it was I'd see people in my classes crying at the end of mm. class or coming up and saying something, something happened in that class, something shifted for me. So I really wanted to be able to do that work one-on-one -on -one. and the tools of yoga are so powerful. They help me so much. And it's not just the physical poses. It's the breath work. It's the mind-body connection. It's the philosophy. Yoga really is a psychology of mind. If if we dig deep, if we, if we pay attention, if we, if we find the safe space to heal. And that's why insight is so important to me. We're showing people that yoga is a trauma-informed intervention that has evidence behind it. It's being studied, right? We know meditation mm -hmm. is evidence-based practice. All of these things come together and the body is the setting. We have to understand what's happening in our bodies and change our relationship with our bodies in order to heal. And we can only do that if we have a safe space to do so. So when somebody works with me or somebody works with you, Jess, yeah. the first first thing we do, safety. right? Safety. Create the sacred space yeah. to heal. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that was long answer to that question. No, I love it. It reminds me a little bit of my story and my experience with becoming a body-centered practitioner in that I started having panic attacks when I was in the fifth grade and I didn't even know what they were. I didn't even know that I should be telling my mom. I think I told her when I was like 30 something years old and oh. she was really surprised. And in my brain, my my little me just kind of adjusted around it. I've tapped into my body, not even knowing when I started feeling panicky or overwhelmed and I was at home. If I went outside and I opened the screen door and it's cold, I'm from Minnesota, so it's usually kind of cold. And, and I would take these deep breaths and I would feel the cold air on my face. Who knew that I was using the temperature to shift my nervous system, that I was using the long breath out to regulate and feel safe again. I had my own experience with exercise where I tried it. I would try out for teams and I would join. I'd be super excited. And then I would quit a week or two into it. And so it started being this narrative that I was a quitter or that I couldn't handle it. A little bit of a shame story started right around that experience. Mm -hmm. But what I now know is that I was experiencing somatic symptoms that very much felt like overwhelm. 
and very much felt like panic. And I didn't have that capacity to tolerate them yet. So I did what was best for my little me. I had a great survival system. I decided not to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, then, of course, finding my own wonderful therapist as a young adult and beginning to observe my thoughts and my feelings that naturally transitioned to this area of knowing something was missing, that I wanted to observe my body and be present with my body and explore this full holistic healing, the whole self feeling integrated and healed. And I found weightlifting. And what didn't happen when I lifted weights was that I didn't get overwhelmed. I didn't get trauma-related triggers and cues of panic. It's very mindful. There's a lot of weight on your body. So when you push out energy through your system, it's controlled and regulated. It helped me build my tolerance to feeling distressed because it was so structured. It was like, here's five more pounds. I will be safe. I even have a spotter. It became this way of increasing my capacity to tolerate things that were overwhelming. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. You really befriended yourself in a yeah. very powerful way. You mm-hmm. know, weightlifting is, it's very grounding. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like gravity. There's the weight that's really pulling you down, Mm. but then you're also discharging your energy with it too. And just taking control. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I love it. Let's talk a little bit more. When I say mind, what do you think about mind within the mind body? I think about our thoughts, our emotions. I tend to think about, like I said, Yoga is a psychology of mind, and the ultimate purpose of yoga is to still the fluctuations of the mind, to still the monkey mind, the chitta vritti, as the, mm. the Sanskrit phrase. Chitta vritti. Chitta vritti. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's the monkey mind. It's the it's our chatter. Mind. Yeah, it's our chatter. It's that thought, you know, body. Yogis really see that as like a sheath, a layer of our being, mm. our mental being has a texture and a tangible quality to it. So it's our our thoughts, our emotions, the way that we experience our world. It's something that is constructed for us in childhood. And then we either live through that construction or we kind of reconstruct it as we go through life and mature. Yeah. When I think about the mind, it's more our thoughts, feelings, memories, how we shape our identity, our sense of consciousness, who we are as a person. You know, that is our mind. When we talk about the brain, I shift more into it's a part of the body and there's different parts of the brain and they influence the different systems in our body, our nervous system, your digestive system, hormones, all all sorts of different parts of the body. When you're working with clients or even today having our listeners hear more about this mind-body connection, how would you describe what the brain is and its role in mind-body healing? Absolutely. So it depends on really where we're at in therapy, but I do, I like to do a lot of psychoeducation and I have my little brain model that I'll get Mm. out and show people the lobes and the different structures of the brain that operate in trauma mm-hmm. and how they're so connected to the body's response. And we talk a lot about the thinker, the thoughts happen in the brain, right? They're neurons that are firing, but then we also have the observer, right? The witness to the mm. thinker. And so that's often where I'll take people to more understand that mind. Who's watching the thoughts? Is there a compassionate witness there that we can tap into? And unless we start 
noticing that observing mind you're talking about noticing, we may be really confused about why our body is reacting the way our body's reacting. Right. Have you seen that or in your work? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's just that automatic when people will say, I have no idea why I reacted that way. Of course not, because it's something was triggered and stuck in your nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And something I remind clients about and myself, I love to remind myself this, the ancient brain wins. It's been around a lot longer. Let's Mm -hmm. not take it personally that we get hijacked (laughs) and shifted into our reptilian brain, whose job is to just help us survive the next 10 seconds. And then the next 10 seconds, it's not a personal failure on our part that we're overwhelmed or we shift into survival mode. It's really natural. And when we can observe it, we can engage with it very differently versus feeling like it's consuming us. Mm -hmm. Let's transition into talking about how the mind-body connection influences our mental health. How would you explain that this connection, this powerful experience, this integration of both our mind, our brain, and our body, how does that influence thoughts, emotions, behaviors? Well, just like you were explaining, we live in our lizard brain, our reptile brain, and we tend to react to certain things and then not understand necessarily why we're reacting that way. And, mm. you know, nobody says, well, I want to be really depressed today. Yeah. I want to, I want to have a hard time getting out of bed. I want to not have joy in the things that I normally take joy in. You know, we don't choose this. And I think that's a big part of what's so brilliant about somatic therapies is there is no room for stigma whatsoever. Mental Mm. wellness is not a choice. We don't choose any of this. Right. And there are so many categories of medications that work on the brain. If mental wellness were a choice, then those medications wouldn't work. Mm. Right? So we have learned so much about what happens in our brains that cause these symptoms, anxiety, depression, compulsion, addiction. We now yeah. know that there are so many chemical messengers involved in that. And those chemical messengers don't exist just in your prefrontal cortex, right? Neurotransmitters, hormones, that's in the body. So our bodies are the key because we're talking about, you know, serotonin, dopamine, GABA, which these are all neurotransmitters that affect our mood. And they are all affected by what's happening in our bodies. The serotonin is, you know, produced in our guts. It's not just produced in our brain. Mm-hmm. We have to tap into that. We have to use the pathways between brain and body, like the vagus nerve, which I know we'll be talking about a lot on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Those nerves are the key. That's the the pathway between mind and body. And we cannot just work on one part. We can't just work on the structures in the brain. We can absolutely use cognitive techniques to identify our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can use talk therapy. Insight therapy is so important to be able to process this with another person, but we can only do that when our body feels safe with that other person. Yeah. So it's, it's all connected. 
It is. I was just reading an article by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. She also has a book I found really transformative. It's called Neuroscience for Change. She was talking about if you think about how the mind body are connected, our hormones, right? Our endocrine system, our hormones influence our thoughts and feelings. I work with a lot of women, especially in their mid thirties to fifties. There's a lot of different shifts in how they think, how they feel, what's happening for them because their hormones are really changing. Or if you have a teenager who or an adolescent who's growing and changing earlier, you talked about the gut, right? The neurotransmitters, we're learning so much about how mental health is connected to gut health. And there's reasons why we say, I have a gut feeling about something. There are messengers happening all over in our body. And right now in the middle of the pandemic, a social isolation and worrying about our health and well-being, even our immune system, it's really responding to stress. Let's talk about the polyvagal theory. We get so excited about that. We get so excited about the polyvagal <laughs> theory. I saw this DO in Madison and he actually, my vagus nerve was tight on the right side. Oh yes, it's fantastic. I should get him on this podcast. I won't say his name because I don't know if he's accepting new clients. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. So he's like, yeah, the, we're going to work on your vagus nerve. And I was that's my favorite nerve. And he... <laughs> He laughs so loud. I'm like, no, I'm serious. He has no idea what I do or who I am. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he said that my right side of my vagus nerve was tight. And he actually, huh. through multiple different sessions, relaxed it. And I have felt such a decrease in activation since that modality. Wow. It's it's really phenomenal. But that was a side note, everybody. So vagus nerve, polyvagal theory. Why don't you begin by explaining, Jeannie? That'd be great. Absolutely. The polyvagal theory came about in the 90s. A guy named Dr. Stephen Porges started to write about this nerve. It's our 10th cranial nerve. So think about the cranium. It's it's right at the base of the skull there. Mm -hmm. And it's called the vagus nerve after the Latin vagabond or vagrant for wanderer. It's a wandering Mm -hmm. nerve. It is huge, right? It's basically the brain and its root system. When you look at a picture, that's a great way. I've never thought to describe it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it runs all the way down into our viscera. So, right. Like we were talking about the gut brain, it enervates our digestion. It also has a branch that enervates through our respiration and our heart. And then a more advanced or uh, a newer branch of the vagus that enervates our face, our throat, Mm -hmm. our social engagement system. This has been a real game changer for those of us in the world of body-centered therapy. Completely. Mm -hmm. That's this wandering nerve and that there's so many different pathways our body communicates with our brain. There's many more pathways that go from the body up into the brain than from the brain down through into the body. And then traditional talk therapy, which I completely agree, there's such a place for it and it can be very healing, but often traditional talk therapy does what we call top down processing, where we're processing through the front of our brains, where we're logical, we can think we're human decision-making cognitive, you know, capacities are online. But if you think about the vagus nerve, that's connected to all of our organs. It's the highway that connects the brain to everything the body's experiencing. How communication is really happening in our bodies. There is way more information coming up through the body. The polyvagal theory 
for me is one of the key concepts I review with clients and that I've even found in my own healing to be really transformational. I love thinking about how my nervous system comes online and is helping shape my experience because when we talk about destigmatizing mental health, often we associate our problems or difficulties with who we are, like personally. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the polyvagal theory and we bring our body online, the polyvagal theory says, hey, your body is actually doing really cool things to keep you safe, to protect you. It's communicating to you. Every mammal does this. You think that your neighbor doesn't have, you know, a nervous system. They do. If you think who you see on social media is calm all the time, they're not. Even let's watch our pets. You can start seeing yeah. everybody's nervous system everywhere. I liken it to, this is a side tangent, which maybe I'll let everybody listening on how my brain works. I liken it to the matrix when Neo mm -hmm. has that moment where he starts seeing these ones and zeros come down mm -hmm. and suddenly like everything opens up and there's just so much more information and he's really tapped in. That's how I feel about watching the nervous system because suddenly there's reasons for things that don't have to do with personal failure or success. It really has to do with this beautiful system since in utero that's mm -hmm. helping us stay safe and we get to work with it. So mm -hmm. that's yeah, how I feel is, about the polyvagal theory. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It removes the judgment. It yeah. removes the shame around mm -hmm. this. And we get to go back and look, were we made to feel safe when we were little kids? Yeah. Did we have a, a face that we could look at and see love? Could we see ourselves reflected in another person's eyes were we seen and heard and held and we can start there and recognize how impactful those early experiences in our bodies are and then start to recognize that we are not broken we yeah. can work with the system mm -hmm. to correct things that have maybe not been serving us through no fault of our own. It helps to remove that sense of shame. I agree. The nervous system can be shaped. The brain is plastic. There are things we can do when we bring the body into treatment that can shape the response. It's natural for our nervous system to shift into a flea or a fight response or even shutting down. There's, there's no shame in that. That's natural, but we can help that system leave those responses sooner or not kind of ping pong back and forth between anxiety or depression responses, but go to what we call ventral vagal, where we feel connected and safe. The goal isn't to not feel stressed or not have those responses. It's just to more easily go back to feeling safe afterwards and more easily right. go back to feeling connected to who we are. And we can shape that. That's yeah. possible. It's very powerful. Thanks, Jeannie. I'm a sensory motor psychotherapist. Sensory motor psychotherapy is a body-centered talking therapy developed by Pat Ogden. As a sensory motor psychotherapist, I approach treatment using the body's experience as the primary entry point in trauma therapy rather than the events, thoughts, or feelings by attending to how the body's processing information and then looking at how the body, the mind, the emotions, and thoughts all come together, we can start to treat the whole person. So when we think about our nervous system, our brain, the symptoms we're experiencing, the, the trauma-related symptoms that can be activated in our body, 
when we do a body centered approach, we actually just give space to treating the effects of trauma or the effects of the difficulties we're experiencing versus the events. I think that can be really healing. There's so much research out there. It's about how mindful separation, that observing sense of self, when we observe, we can create space and healing can happen in that space. We don't need to revisit events repetitively. We can heal just through being present with the body Mm -hmm. and helping the body process out what maybe got stuck at one point or another. And that's, I think, what's so important too. When I do yoga, when I work with people, even in small groups, it's a healing environment for so many reasons, but also in this intangible way that we don't necessarily see. The Mm -hmm. nervous system can retune itself over time in ways that we can't even script, right? So Mm -hmm. we just create the space for it. And the healing happens in these ways. We can't necessarily describe them, but it is so powerful. It is. It is. I that co-regulation, we would call it, you know, in, mm-hmm. in our therapist minds, that co-regulation, when we feel safe and tune in together, that that shifts our nervous system's response. And if I was going to give any sort of suggestion or tip for someone thinking about their nervous system and, well, if this is possible, where do I even begin? Right. I would say, spend time feeling safe. Who makes you mm-hmm. feel safe? What things in your life make you feel safe? What are some of the things you do that you feel safe and and calm? Where can you go? Or even the act of calling upon a memory where you felt safe. Being safe is just, it can be very healing. It can be so supportive and regulating. So I would start there. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Let's look at, we're, we're kind of going into the idea of talking about different practices that are trauma-informed, body-centered, when we're talking about polyvagal and sensory motor and the act of creating safety for ourselves, what are some trauma-informed practices you think can help create mind-body connection, this this healing? Mm -hmm. I usually start people with the breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, right? It's so simple. We're all doing it. You know, we've been doing it since the moment we were born, but it's something that is very connected to the systems, to the state. You were talking about when we're in a sympathetic state, well, how do we know? Well, of course, we don't really know our blood pressure is increasing. We might feel our heart racing a little bit, but we can definitely tell if we're hyperventilating. We know Mm -hmm. when we're hyperventilating. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) pretty clear. Yeah. We can start there and start to do a mindful exercise of Noticing the breath, just watching the breath and maybe lengthening out the exhale, maybe just starting Mm -hmm. there, just a little bit longer exhale, which taps into our diaphragm, which is a very sympathetic part of our body, right? And then we can start to get into the parasympathetic nervous system with that polyvagal, that vagus nerve that's enervating our viscera below the diaphragm that can get us into a much more relaxed, relaxed state. Mm -hmm. If we're able to be present with the breath, that's usually where I start people. It's just, let's, let's practice breathing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And just to clarify sympathetic, when we're talking about sympathetic is 
this activation of the system and we have to mobilize to decrease the threat. And then you're talking about parasympathetic or ventral vagal is more when we feel safe and connected and calm. Even taking that a little further, I think that a lot of practitioners are starting to use body-centered approaches. We've talked about meditation. You've talked about yoga therapy. Can you explain a little bit what is yoga therapy? Absolutely. Yoga therapy is typically working one-on-one with somebody where a lot like psychotherapy, there's an assessment where we want to know what's going on in the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, the spiritual body. We look at all of those things. If you have uh, an imbalance in your body physically, we'll see that. And then we'll also look at maybe how that's affecting your, your breath your movement patterns. Often with depression, we see people who are kind of closed, their their shoulders might round up, they might be kind of protecting their heart space. Mm. We call that closed heart syndrome. That's a Beau Forbes term. She's a, a psychologist and yoga therapist as well. And that's where we can start to see that and then start to work on finding a balance there. We're not going to blow the lid off something and open people up. This is where we start to find a balance. And we do that through creating a safe space, allowing people to make choices and take action that corrects whatever Mm -hmm. imbalance they have. We work to get people in the present moment. Trauma is very past and future oriented. It's got us thinking about the past or it's got us worried about the future. Mm -hmm. When we tap into the present moment, we do that in our bodies and we can do that either individually or in groups. We really think that group energy is very healing. Yoga classes are therapeutic just in themselves without any special tricks, honestly, because it's, it's rhythmic, it's soothing in trauma-informed yoga, we're in an inclusive environment. So we're all in this together. It's very connected. Mm. We're creating a space that we can heal in our bodies by tapping into some discomfort. So yoga should be a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we might move into a lunge or a downward facing dog, even something that is that requires strength and requires awareness and requires a little discomfort. And we breathe through that and tolerate it. And then move into the opposite action, Hmm. something that that feels powerful, that maybe feels relaxing. So we're really letting people embody their their whole experience just in a a yoga class, in maybe a half hour, 45 minute or an hour yoga practice. And it truly is, that's where the healing happens. I, of course fully believe in the one-on-one. I think that therapeutic relationship, that interpersonal process that we create in our yoga therapy is very healing, but also it's incomplete if there's not some sort of group practice as well too. And that's why we offer that at Insight and other places do as well. Yeah, I can really appreciate that. There's many yoga therapists out there, trauma-informed yoga therapists and There's so many wonderful psychotherapists as well. It makes me just really appreciate the idea of yoga therapy as a complement to traditional talk therapy as well, where there's parts of ourselves who maybe need our story to be heard and supported, to look at our thoughts and feelings 
and through a modality like trauma-informed weightlifting or meditation or yoga therapy, we can tap into that body-centered approach. Really, however someone's path to healing happens, I think the important part is we remember there's wisdom in the body. There's so much to learn and that they all can be connected in whatever way feels safe, whatever works best for ourselves. Agreed. As a marriage and family therapist, I talk a lot about the different systems in place that impact an individual. When you're thinking about the different external conditions a person may be experiencing, what do you talk about with your clients? What, how do you honor what's happening around us as well as what's happening within us? Yeah, that's a great question. It's really, it's come to the fore in the last year. Obviously, we've had to process a lot of of societal trauma mm -hmm, uh, because mm -hmm. we've had uh, to adjust the way that we that we treat people because now we're doing telehealth in order to contribute to the greater good so that we're protecting people from the dangers of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we're working, we're working on, you know, how, how we fit into that society and how we can use these tools to, to heal, even as we're experiencing this collective trauma, mm -hmm. we're not going to know for years, the impact I of agree. this pandemic. And we're seeing it so acutely right now. At, at Insight. And also everything that we've gone through politically in the last year, we've been dealing with the systemic oppression of people of color. We're dealing with just so much distress and imbalance in our world because of racism, sexism, classism. And we want to, we want to honor that in our treatment as well, mm -hmm. because the nervous system is very much affected by that too. So when we think about, you know, childhood trauma, we think about those who may not have the privilege of therapy and connection and yeah. yoga and all those things in childhood or even in adulthood, we have to, we have to look at that. We have to honor that. That's why at Insight, we really really believe in cultural humility and yoga for all. We do monthly free karma classes just to try to get access yeah. for, for people. We provide yoga therapy through our comprehensive community services here in Madison, which is a program that allows consumers with Medicaid to have access to different types of therapy, what we'd call skill development. We do our best to attempt to serve from this place of real cultural humility, inclusion. We welcome all LGBTQ population. We really wanna to try to help people understand that systems of oppression affect the nervous system and that we cannot necessarily, you know, individually change those systems. We're working on it, of course, in our own mm -hmm. work, but we wanna make sure that people have tools and understand that their system is responding to something that is insidious and intangible. And that here's where that story follows state, right? Mm -hmm. We in this state, and then we, we create a story around it. Well, with a lot of these isms, racism, sexism, classism, ableism, we've been told a story and we can work to heal our state and shift that story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think it's very important as a white, cisgendered, female, straight therapist, I create an environment 
that allows clients to be seen and heard in the way of honoring. When we work through the mind-body connection, there are factors that have influenced clients for years, if not their life, if not through multiple generations. Honoring there's such a thing as transgenerational trauma. And systemic oppressors people are experiencing are real and that they truly do influence their mind and body. Different things like trauma that can happen in the medical system, fat phobia, look and sizeism, transphobia, heterosexism, different systemic oppressors and not just following the one-size-fits-all strategy to health and healing, honoring a lot of people along the way have caused harm. And it's our job to be accountable to that and do what we can best do to help serve people, be allies instead of being part of the problem. That's where we use our tools of empathy and being able to put ourselves in other people's shoes and approach with curiosity and no judgment. Mm-hmm. We want to approach from a place of humility to try to understand what that person is going through and help them to regulate in their nervous system by getting regulated in our own. And mm-hmm. we can only do that if we are curious, if we're open, if we're willing to just be humble to that person's experience. It's a very powerful way to help shift people into a state of healing. I agree. We've had such a wonderful conversation about the mind-body experience and our mental health. I'd like to share a little bit of information for our listeners on how they can begin to perhaps honor their mind-body connection, begin exploring how the wisdom of the body is present with them. What Mm -hmm. do you think, Jeannie? Yeah, absolutely. I always encourage people to begin with a little bit of meditation, you know, oftentimes people are scared off and they say, I can't meditate. I can't Mm. clear my mind. What are you nuts? That's a really hard thing for people to do. And especially now we know when our traumas are stuck in our body, we cannot just be in stillness, in quiet, Mm -hmm. in darkness and feel safe. So I typically ask people to just give themselves five minutes a day to do a somatic based meditation. And that might mean just feeling the soles of your feet as they touch the floor, maybe feeling your, the chair underneath your seat and maybe just maybe counting your breath, maybe counting five breaths, just to start to introduce a relationship with the body in a very incremental and safe way. I often suggest starting slow, bringing in compassion and tapping into that innate wisdom held within the body, wherever you're at in your relationship to your body, whether you're feeling this is a place you want to be or because of past injury or illness or current medical conditions, it's maybe a little scary or even dysregulating to be present in your body. I think having an attitude of befriending and it can be a big leap. You it know? can. It really if, can. If, if we ask someone to say, let's start to 
let's honor the wisdom of, of your body. Can you say that? I honor the wisdom of my body. That's a lot for people to say. And I might even start a, a lot slower and softer and say, mm. I am willing to consider someday honoring the wisdom of my body. Mm. So just like I cracking the door open. Yeah. It's, it's a leap for, for some of us who felt unsafe in our bodies or who have that oh. really adversarial relationship that unfortunately media society messaging has fostered. Yeah. So we can't just suddenly go to, Oh, we're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe we can start to consider the possibility that someday maybe we could be friends with our body. When someone's ready to begin that relationship, I encourage them to start observing, observing our mind-body experience. As you talked about noticing the breath, even being aware of if there's any tension in our bodies or what physical sensations we're experiencing. Listening and observing can start helping us shift from being consumed by the body's experience or feeling overwhelmed by the body's experience to engaging with it differently. I think that starts to create a level of safety within. Absolutely. I have loved having this conversation with you, Jeannie. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks, Jess. I have nothing but gratitude. I am so excited for this opportunity to share. So thank you so much for organizing this. Of course. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us on Insight Mind Body Talk, a body-centered mental health podcast. We're your hosts, Jeannie and Jess. Please join us again next week as we continue to explore integrative approaches to well-being. Until then... Take care.